Hey, you damn guys. Welcome to Book Club Member Comics. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Lewis. Hey, you damn guys. How's it going? What's up? Yes. This is our book club podcast. We're reading <laughs> comics. We're talking to our friends. And here's Danielle. She's going to tell you all ah. about it. So what we're going to do is we're going to read a thing. We're going to tell you what we're going to read, and you're going to read it. And we're going to talk about it, and you're going to listen to us talk about it. And then you're going to talk about what we talked about. We were talking about the thing that we all read. And then that's a hey, damn guys. You sent us a message on a social media, or you sent us an email or some shit like that. And then, uh, <laughs> then we're going to talk about what you talked about when you talked about what we were talking about. And that's friendship, and that's a book club. Back to you, John. Oh, classic. That was good. That was very good. Thank you so much. <laughs> Oh man, I got some. You're welcome. Sh- yes, I got some shouts outs for this week. Shouts, shouts out. Outs. I want to shout out Craig McKnight. Craig McKnight, book club member. Yes, you know Craig is a dear friend of ours on the Hellboy book club. That's true. Um, we've he's done a lot of awesome things for the community. He's done these like amazing yes. raffles. Yeah. You know, I have a Hellboy omen because of that raffle. Yeah. And Craig is just an all around great guy. A great guy in the community. And one of the reasons why I admire him so much is he started his own business. He sure did. Um, yes, he did. Muffin But Good Vibes, that's his muffin business in San Diego. And even though I can't try these delicious muffins, and it pains me because I see them on social media. Vegan look, muffins, are they not vegan? They're vegan. Um, I think he has a bunch some of Some of them are and some yeah, of them yeah. aren't. Okay. Options. There are options. There are plenty of options. But yeah. it, but not only that, but you can also support him by buying the awesome merch that he has. And so he has I, some clever t-shirts. Yes. We have some t-shirts. Yeah. We have some of his pins. I even bought what, the beanie yeah. um, and stuff oh, like nice. that because I, I love the designs and He's come out with some new merch recently, and he's also like he's got some opportunities. This is his... not a paid promotion, by the way. We just really no, like this guy. He's our, and he's we our like friend. His stuff, and it's great. And uh, he's got an opportunity to help with his business, and so he's selling a bunch of his Hellboy stuff. Oh goodness! And he's got some really amazing pieces in his collection. Ah. So I'm going to be sharing those on our Instagram. Um, if you're interested in buying any of those, I can hook you up with Craig. He's a solid guy. I've bought stuff from him. He's he's a you know, I can definitely vouch Way for him. Way back from the Hellboy Book Club podcast days. Yeah. yeah. And so he's also offering this golden ticket game. Oh, gosh. Okay. So you buy these sticker packs from Muffin But Good Vines. Okay. okay. Um, so you, so no matter what, you're getting some awesome stickers. Yes. It's $12. You're getting a bunch of stickers. Three of the packs will have a random holographic sticker and you get a prize. Okay. If you get that sticker. Right. Oh, nice. Um, one of them, uh, BPRD badge and the Buff Raffle Snowman pin. Ooh, okay. That is, Ooh, there wow. were only a certain number there, of those yeah. made. So I have to you assume you've already it. bought several sticker yes. packs. Okay. And then. And uh, number the the next one is uh, Hellboy the Fury number three signed by Mignola oh, uh, in a little oh, acrylic wow. case, you know, signed. a nice little display stand. That's fine. And then another one is uh, San Diego Comic Con Golden Army limited edition poster signed by Mignola. Oh wow, that's a okay. big ticket nice. item right yeah, there. That's so actually for twelve dollars, and you'll get some cool stickers anyway. You could get one of these prizes. So I asked Craig, hey, can I share these on Instagram and our podcast and like that? He was like, yeah, go ahead. So um, anyway, you'll be seeing that on our social media. Craig also has a YouTube channel for Muffin But Good Vibes because he does like these acoustic series. He's hooked up with all these bands. It's amazing what he's doing in San Diego. He's got this whole community that he's building over there around his business. So... And I don't know how many thousands of dollars that he's managed to raise for these amazing causes and and things like this. So he's just an all-around great guy. So supporting him is supporting, like John said, uh, tons of 
worthy communities and so and it's a local business i mean you know he's he's doing it from the ground up and it's been amazing what he's been able to accomplish and it's admirable so anyway you can check the show notes for links to his youtube page follow him there go check out his shop and then if you are interested in any of those prizes the details will be on our instagram page so were you uh, looking for the word admirable yes you said admirable admirable yes he's definitely admirable and admirable Um, because he's so good looking too so is that admirable perhaps sure (laughs) perhaps all right check the show notes if you're interested in uh supporting craig also this theme song is really cool too muffin but good vibes oh yeah he's got the theme i'll I'll put a snippet of yes Yes. yes, okay he has music i'll put a snippet in there it's great you can buy it on itunes and you can also get it on your streaming platforms that's right and just listening to the song supports craig too so Anyway, great job. Thank you for remembering that, Aubrey. I'll put a snippet of it in here. Good oh, job. Uh, it's on a playlist that uh, Kathy and I listen together, and it pops up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. All the time. Yes, we we know the Muffin Man. Yes, we do. We do. We know him. All right, and now we're going to go on to our listener feedback. Listener feedback. feedback. Yes. You read a story. We talk about it. You hate them guys us. And it's a book club game. We heard from Mark Tweedell. Mark Tweedell. He's a book club member. Yes, uh, regarding our awesome interview that we had with Hope Larson and Rebecca Mock for Salt Magic a couple episodes ago, okay. you guys were talking about the Anise uh, pronunciation. Right. Remember that? Right. <laughs> he said, I had to check it. Turns out both pronunciations are correct. Often this is the case, yeah. Shrugging who, emoji. Yeah. I mean, it varies cares? depending on what part of the world you're in. I think I feel like if you know what we're talking about, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had a... Hey, you dang guys from a a young girl. She's around eight years old and she read Salt Magic and she did a little summer reading book report on it. And it's so it's cute. flipping adorable. Oh, uh, so so adorable. the book was about the prompt. There are prompts and then they write their responses. So the book was about a girl named Von Seal who goes on a quest to save her farm since a witch cast a spell and turned all the water to salt water. My favorite part was, and this this really got me. Oh, I know. Finding out what the second jelly bean was for. So sweet. Oh, that's cute. I did enjoy this book because, so this, I did, I did not enjoy this book, and you circle one. She circled, I did. Okay. Uh, because I love magic and adventures. Yeah. An yes. excellent answer. I love magic and adventures. Same. This book made me think or wonder about how many types of crystals there are. Ooh, a good thing to wonder wow, about. That's very I love good. That. So, three new or interesting words I found in the book: <laughs> Saudi, okay, moonshine still, <laughs> and hooky. Yes. Excellent things to learn about at that age. Awesome. I, I think so. That so that's a wonderful. That's a wonderful response. I'm I'm so glad that um, we were able to inspire any kiddos to read that book and think about it and write a little report about it and. Uh, yeah, and if you yeah. you know if you didn't catch that episode, it's kid friendly. We don't uh, do any cusses or anything like that, so your kids can listen to it, and it's it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's episode thirty and thirty one, yes. and then we have an awesome interview with Hope Larson and Rebecca Mock on episode thirty three. Right? Did we? So, I think we did cusses in that one, though. Did we? 
I don't we might know. have done. Don't think so. So, well, parents, listen to, listen to that interview first. But yes, the actual episodes where we do the book club uh, is, we did not. So. Yes, yes, yes. In any good. case, that was wonderful that to was, read. So. Yeah. Our youngest book club member. Probably, yeah. Probably. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. And now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. And this week we are continuing our discussion of Enigma by Peter Milligan and Duncan Fagredo. Uh, so this is a... American comic book that came out in 1993 as part of the Vertigo label under DC Comics. Today we're reading issues 5 through 8, so if you haven't read Enigma, go read it, listen to last week's episode, and then you'll be all caught up. Alright, we've got a lot to talk about. Chapter 5 is called Lizards and Ghosts. So, uh, do you want to talk about this cover? is pretty graphic, right? So at the end right, of the last yeah. uh, issue, we learned... That these enigmatics, the people who worshipped Enigma and Titus Bird, hundreds of them killed themselves over something that Titus wrote in the comic. Uh, so we're kind of getting an image of that here, and there's all these like Enigma comics and masks all over the place. Yeah, and they're all and they're all covered with like blood spots and everything, and then there's like the dead body right in the center. So then when we go into the page, it's that same pose. You yeah. know, what I mean, we're kind of seeing the same thing. The narration reads. Look, they're carrying away the corpses. Ho-hum. Over 100 kids killed themselves because of something they read in an Enigma comic. A simple comic led to all this. Do I sound detached? Indifferent? I'm not. Believe me. I'll tell you a secret. I'm not a distant narrator, aloof from the action of the story. I'm a part of the story. I'm a character in the story. Don't worry, you'll understand everything by the end. Possibly even before the end, but now, let's turn the volume up. Ah, we hear a voice. The voice of Michael Smith saying... There's no point drinking anymore. It's not going to make them come back. So he's talking to Titus Bird. Titus was blaming himself at the end of the last issue, yeah. you know, for what he wrote inspiring all these deaths. Michael insists that finding the enigma is what they should be focusing on instead. And Titus calls him out, telling him that he's enjoying all this. And Michael doesn't deny it. He says, I feel more alive than I ever have. I'm scared but alive. What can I say? Should I say I'm sorry for that? There are hundreds of kids that are dead, though. I don't know yeah. if exciting is the word I'd use to describe it. Right, right. I mean, it is messed up. I cribbed that right from Independence Day, but you get what I mean. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, exactly, you call it exciting. He's, but he's, you know, oh, uh, yeah, well, what do you want me to say? That I'm sorry? That I'm pumped? That hundreds of kids are dead? Yeah, man, that, that's kind of fucked up, actually. Right, right. A little bit. <laughs> Maybe just a little. <laughs> You should, but, feel, you should feel a little bit weird about that if right. this is, like, an awesome day for you. But Titus says, no, you're right. There's no reason to say you're sorry. Sorry is the worst word in the English language next to moderate. I really hate the word moderate. I do hate that word. <laughs> yeah. <It is laughs> that was a great line. Whether you agree with it or not, there's some very thought-provoking yes, writing in this. There's, there's nothing wrong with apologizing, though, if you find out you were wrong about something. But, yeah, moderates can take a hike. <laughs> take a hike, moderates. <laughs> Michael tries to get Titus to go to the police, but as drunk as he is, I totally agree with his thinking of like, no, they're going to play mind games on him and make him right. say something, or they're going to abuse him for being gay or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's which no guess, reason like, to talk to the fucking news yeah, ever. Yeah. That's just a fucking human crushing machine. Good call. Uh, I like how he's like, oh, uh, this bottle's empty, and he's all like... He Fucking trips over the coffee table and smashes onto the floor. Like, oh shit! That's too yeah. many drinks. He's really, uh, he's really wasted. He I needs mean, to have some water. There's this one panel where he's like, just it's just him chugging the bottle, you know? Yeah, mate. Well, he's definitely taking this uh, these kids' death serious. Well, he's <laughs> taking it pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird scenario, though. 
I guess really you can't is. really blame anyone for the way they're reacting because it's right. unprecedented. Yeah. As Titus sleeps it off, Michael thinks about the Interior League. They're still out there killing. And they have names. Wall-Eye, the Carpet Man, and Pretty as a Picture. And we see pictures of them there. I like Wall-Eye. It's a good design. As soon as I saw Wall-Eye, though, I was like, those are those eyes. (laughs) You pointed them out last time. And then when I I saw this, I was like, oh, shit. Those are those eyes. Nice, nice. Uh, I love the idea that there's a character called Pretty as a Picture. Right, yeah. (laughs) So awesome. (laughs) And there's something familiar about them to Michael. So the next day they go to the library to do research. Shout out your local library. Yes. I thought that was this was awesome. Libraries are awesome. Libraries are awesome. And librarians are awesome. You know, uh, Hellboy, more libraries. Hellboy Book Club member Brian Levy, um, he became a librarian. He oh, that's amazing. A librarian. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I want to come that's back and do- That's a lot of do, hard work. Yeah, we're going to do a Hellboy Book Club where we do all the listener feedback. I think we've got a couple of librarians in our, yeah, wow. in our book club. Yeah, so nice. we'll definitely talk that's about excellent. that. That's excellent. You know you've got, a good, uh, you've got a good crowd when there's multiple librarians in there. I, I know we talked about this before. Don't you have to have like a master's degree at the very least to become a librarian yeah you do yeah that's impressive that being they go through so much to in a lot of ways i'm sure it must be a thankless job in some ways but i'm sure obviously they get a lot of gratitude from other people so i'm I'm not sure exactly what all that entails but i know that we appreciate you so thank you for doing that and michael and titus appreciate it too because they're in the library using those awesome resources and they find a name barney cliff so they call the guy from a payphone. here's another anachronism that i like well, it's not an anachronism here, but us reading this now, it's yes. like, what's yeah. this? Yes. A payphone? For our younger listeners, a payphone was a phone. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> and this dude wants five grand to talk about anything. And Michael's like, mm. yeah, okay. Ten grand, I'll show you pictures and introduce you to like ex-girlfriends and stuff like that. What? <laughs> it's like, damn. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Like in the nineties, I, I mean, that's a lot of money now. But like in the nineties, that would have. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a ton Adjusted of money for inflation. That's a lot of fucking money. Titus has a similar reaction that I'm having, right? But Michael says it's not important. What does money matter now anyway? Everything's changed. The enigma changed everything. Yeah, but it's five thousand bucks. I know. Right? <laughs> I like this weird plastic dome that's over the payphone type of thing. Oh yeah, that's a neat design. I, I don't know if I've ever seen that. I don't know if I've ever seen that either. Yeah. Um, so they meet this guy, Barney Cliff. He's an apiarist, right? Yay, apiarist. Yeah, Love I thought you. this was cool. Uh, I thought it'd be a good time to shout out Uncommon Bees. Uncommon Bees. Here in Houston, you can order their stuff online. I'll link them in the show notes. Absolutely. They have hot honeys. Mm. They have a them. habanero honey. They ha- <laughs> it's so, it's so, so hot. It's really yeah, good. If you like, it. and, and it's... Yeah, it's, it's really hot. <laughs> it's a it, it's a local business. You know what I mean? They, they've and, got other stuff oh, too. They've got like oh, lavender. But they've got like honey. vanilla honey. Yeah, yes, or lavender got, honey. Okay. If they you're have not regular just, honey, if you're not just trying to punish yourself like I am, right? Loves it. But and they're awesome people as well. They're very. We nice. We know them and we're friends and we love them and so they run a good. Uh, it's a family owned business. It's local, so check them out. Yeah, but I like this because it gives like an interesting backdrop to this whole scene, like. It reminds uh, yeah, me, yeah, I love that. Like on um, mm-hmm. when you watch like uh, David Lynch stuff, like Twin Peaks, it made me think of like there'll just be like a barbershop quartet, <laughs> like in the background of one scene, or like in one scene, there's just a deer head in the middle of the right. Well, you know? it's, I mean, <laughs> it's you just think something about it, like, weird. Happening. You're drawing your guys doing a thing. Do you want to just draw like three talking heads, right. or do you want to like have something interesting going on? And so you it's think just to yourself, really like, good. well, I've been researching apiarists lately i'll put an apiarist in there like it's you know maybe he just had he just met a friend who's an apiarist or something and puts it in here but it's 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 fascinating like you said like they're having dialogue but 
there is something happening while that's going on, so it's a feast for the eyes. Yes. It is it is rather Lynchian though to just have someone be an apiarist in the middle the of whole scene an is unrelated taking... <laughs> scene. Yeah. It has nothing to do with bees whatsoever. I love that. So I uh, just learned now that a beekeeper is called an apiarist? An apiarist, yeah. Oh, yeah, there Absolutely. you go. Yeah. Mm, learned something new today. Excellent. Um, love that. You can tell that Titus is hungover. Oh, right. This is, look at him. Oh, yeah. He's just leaning on stuff and like, oh, God. I feel, I feel so bad for him. Well, they said, let's not talk about the hangover. No, right. I know, but I just, I have to, I feel, I feel yeah. like I, so I, bad for that guy. I do too. I've, he just I've been looks there. like he's having a, a bad time of it. Well, I think what's so funny about it too is like he's getting stung by all the bees and he's like freaked out by the bees, it seems like. Um, Freaking out around bees is the quickest way to get stung. Just yes. relax. They're not. It just adds something funny to the right. background of the scene, I think, that this is that all this is happening while they're having this conversation about a lizard. Right. So Barney says that no one has ever asked about the lizard. Barney remembers that Cliff had kept it as a memento. So like, you know, earlier we saw that he pulled up, but we didn't see that he pulled up right when the police were cleaning up the murder. Right. And so he's like, oh, I'm going to keep this as like a souvenir of being here when this thing happened. And I was like, a memento of what? The murder. The murder out in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Barney's like, I don't really remember. And he's like, all right, guys, that's it. That's your five grand's worth. I got some hives to smoke. So just a little bit about smoking the hive. Why he, Why is he doing that? When bees sense danger, they release an alarm pheromone called isopentyl acetate. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. From a gland near their stingers. This chemical wafts through the air and alerts other bees to be ready to attack. Smoking a beehive masks this pheromone, allowing the beekeeper to safely perform a hive inspection. So he's trying to make sure that everything's going well in there. Everyone's healthy. Yeah. Everything's going good. And so he's uh, he's taking good care of them. Nice. He's, yeah, he's doing a little inspection there to make sure everything's, everything's uh, A-OK, which is cool. Michael and Titus talk afterwards, and Michael says they should check out that killing when suddenly this car just comes out of nowhere oh, shit <laughs> and it's like one of those page reveals where like it just seems like they're having a dialogue scene into titus. they turn the page and then just this horrible thing happens awful the motion and the way that yeah. fredo has captured this oh it's so um, good and then even like the giant the onomatopoeia I, mean, <laughs> I wonder if that's john costanza with the the sound effects um, right. Because that is very impactful too. That like center panel. It's horrific. Oh gosh! So we turn over to the next page. Hey, where's Titus gone? What's happened to him? The narration boxes say, "Is he dead? Paralyzed for life? Already laughing it off, or what?" What are we doing in this suburban living room? So we see this living room in the background, and look at that furniture. For God's sake, it's dark outside, which usually suggests it's night. Wait a minute! I'll just show you something while we wait for this door to open. And so it shows us this... I love the sarcasm of the narrator. Right. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so in, in the top part of the page, we're seeing this living room, and then we see like the door open like people are coming inside. On the bottom half where the narration boxes is saying that he's going to show us something, we see this like grotesque creature being kept in Disgusting. this padded room. And it's there's awful. like a there's like a guy outside guarding it, I guess, guarding so it doesn't come out or nobody comes in. I don't know what. I but don't know. I don't even know how to describe this. Like, there's like a giant thing coming out of the spine or something, and there's a creature coming out of this person's back. I don't is know. Is that what yeah. it is? I don't yeah, know. something it's... like that. But it's attached. It's like an attachment. Yeah, coming yeah, off of yeah. Them. It's very like Cronenberg body right, horror. It is extremely yeah. Cronenberg. Yeah, I love walleye. Yeah, so we get back to the 
that living room and we get a good look at the interior league doing their thing. But before they can arrange this vanity in a way that will make someone go mad, the Enigma bursts through the wall. I love this bottom panel, this little like inset panel where he's got his his mouth open or whatever. Oh, yeah. That is like so awesome. And I love the colors on this. It's all just kind of like that nice blue wash. Yeah. Yeah. So on this next page, I really love this. It's just like this book is just so weird. But I, I love this part because we get all these great action shots. Like the Enigma is like literally busting this guy through with his hand. But while all this action is going on, this narration boxes are criticizing the comic for what this comic is. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's it's like uh, the original comic was, it was criticized for its lack of action. There hasn't really been a lot of action in this comic. It tended to be a wordy, overindulgent piece, heavily influenced by drugs and the mod paranoia these drugs induced. It drifted too often into a rambling and muddled quasi-Eastern spirituality. It sold very poorly and was discontinued (laughs) after three episodes. I assume they mean issues, but Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. They call them episodes in this comic. Yeah. He's like, get me episode three. And they're talking about issue three. Like you pointed out, it's very... It's talking about this comic, right? You know what I mean? It's just... Ah, I love it. But when you think about the fact that this is a comic book writer... Yes. Doing this, I wonder if that's a commentary on how some of his other work has been received. And he's just like, well, fuck you, then I'll draw a big action scene with your criticisms right on top of oh, it yeah, or yeah, something. And yeah. But it's also, he's writing a comic book about a comic book writer. And it just gets, it starts to mess with my head a well, little bit. It starts and, to get a little. And, and you think about this too, like this is what, five issues in? Yeah. So, yeah. M- Maybe there had been feedback on those previous months, or I don't know. Like, I don't know how this comes out, but, like, um, anyway. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, if it was, like, commentary on people saying, like, hey, why isn't there more action in this book? he just goes, fuck you, then. (laughs) Yeah, but the action is incredible. I love all this. The Enigma just takes out the interior league. We learned that Titus is still alive. We cut over to the hospital. Now we're in the hospital for him. So first we were in the hospital for Michael. Now we're going to be in the hospital for Titus. I was actually kind of bummed that I that he might have died. So I was glad oh, yeah. that he was like still alive. That they were. This is that kind it. of book where they will do that. Yes, exactly. They, he yeah. he would have. He would have done and he, that. And he would have just gone ho hum or whatever. Right. right. <laughs> I was like, oh, there goes that character. Damn, that was that's fucking yeah. brutal. But there he is. So. Elio, he asks him, oh, Titus, how do you feel? How do I feel? Hunky Dory, man. You should try getting your arms and legs broken. Beat sex every time. Oh, it's great. I love it. I love it, in fact. You know what else sucks is he got when he got hit by that car, he was still hung over, too. Oh, oh no. he, he had just been stung by bees. Jeez. He's not oh, having man. a good time of it. But yeah, so he just goes, he's like, yeah, sorry. You know. Yeah. That's on me. Probably shouldn't have asked. It was uh, it was one of the parents of the kids who killed themselves. Well, I like he like tries to cheer him up by saying like, uh, you know, they caught the guy that did it. He's like, only because he turned himself in. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and I thought this was funny too because we were just saying earlier like he's right for not wanting to turn himself in, but he's like, oh, I talked to the police and they didn't care. They had shrinks go through the comic and they couldn't find anything. They also said the book was a pile of crap. <laughs> well, they, they, damn <laughs> that's that's brutal but he's talking about they can't do anything about just the fact that i wrote a comic because they they tried to see if i was subliminally influencing right. the youth of america and wasn't there something around that time sure like yeah. d snyder went and like testified in a courtroom oh, yeah, or something yeah. about oh that was that a, and wasn't it like metallica or somebody it was a uh, during it was in congress and it was about congress, um okay. 
Yeah, I think it was about you know um, ratings or advisories on um, I see. music albums and stuff like that. But that yeah. was in the nineties. But that wasn't been there a court case late, about like how a kid killed oh, himself and then okay, they that were was trying a, to determine? It was a different. That was okay. Judas Priest. Judas Priest. I think the song was what was the song? I can't remember. But, but they, yeah, they went like, to we're, they look, went we're to, not responsible for yeah, this. It went all the way to court, and you know they've like they're found not guilty because right. they're like no, they they don't want their fans to die. Right. Obviously, <laughs> they don't want wow, like obviously yeah. that's very sad that that happened, but they're not culpable for that. That's not they're not yeah. subliminally trying to tell. But there was a big satanic panic right, thing yeah. happening, and so I wonder if any of that influenced this kind of plot sure. point at no, all. That's or, a good point. That was right around the same time where all that was happening, and so. You know, I remember people being like, oh, D&D, you play all, oh, you play D&D, oh, it's satanic. Yeah. It's not. Oh, yeah. Magic the Gathering, is, it's not. It's a bunch of dorks in a room being the yeah. dorkiest they possibly could be. <laughs> it's not satanic. Panic. Yes. Even if we were being Satanists, that has nothing to do with what you're thinking. So it's like, they were like, <laughs> oh, you guys are going to kill yourselves and drink blood. No. No, actually. <laughs> he talks about the Interior League. Now that they've been killed, like the paper says, apparently until a week ago... They were a country and Western trio called the Real McCoys. So there was a American situational comedy called the Real McCoys, and it starred a trio: Walter Brennan, Richard Crenna, and Kathleen Nolan. <clears throat> the Real McCoys concerned the lives of a family originally from the Appalachian Mountains of West Virginia, from a fictional place called Smoky Corners. They relocated to California to live and work on a farm they inherited from a relative. They consisted of Grandpa McCoy, his grandson Luke, and Luke's wife Kate. Isn't that weird? <laughs> that is weird. Real McCoy is a German Eurodance and pop music project best known for hit singles Another Night, Automatic Lover, what? Runaway, <laughs> Love and Devotion, Come and Get Your Love One More Time, and the multi-platinum album Another Night. Is that what, that's what you thought of, I guess? Yeah. A band called The Real McCoy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they did like a lot of like covers that they trio? would turn it into. A, yes. Oh, so that's another one. They're How, a trio. Wait, so when was that band around? Uh, let's see here. Um, years active, uh, 1987 to 1997. Oh, wow. And then 1999, 2001. And then, uh, there's, uh, the gals in the group, they do that, like, uh, we're singing a song, we're singing a song, and then there's a guy, he comes in and does a different <laughs> thing. And so it's that, it's like all this, like, they sing, they sing, and then the guy does this. It's a lot of that. So okay. it's, uh, it was very popular in the 90s, and it's, um, I don't know if very popular, but I know, I remember, like, kids listening to it at my school and being like, what is this <laughs> that you're listening to? They're very catchy. Watch out, though, if you do decide to check this out out of just some sense of, like, ah, what is this? It will be stuck in your head. You may or may not like that that's up to you i leave that in your hands it's <laughs> well i guess like because he says it's a country and western trio and this, right and these people were on a farm they yeah really it country. probably wasn't a euro dance so, band I john like, i just i just, 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 I I just this uh, word association happening in my brain i know but i just like the idea that these people from this situational comedy became yes murderers or i mean i don't like that idea <laughs> no, but, that's I think not... it's, but i think it's funny yes and then and then if you think about it like um, Victor Lamont was a celebrity, oh, yeah, the one that was. became the head, right? Where no, no, he, no, was he the became truth. the truth. Yeah, that guy was a celebrity too. So anyway, uh, just a weird, yeah. just weirdness. It is odd. Titus mentions how violent Michael's enigma is because he killed the Interior League, and Michael's like, "Hey," because he because his idea is that this is all stemming from Michael's head. He's creating all of this, but Michael's like, he doesn't even know if it is his. Michael doesn't even know if he's really connected at all. But he's like, yeah, but like you pointed out, he's like, oh, well, he killed them. Like, this enig your enigma is more right. violent than the one I made. And he's like, well, cram it because 
he's a hero. I think he's a hero for killing right. those people. Right. They talk about the murder. So Michael went and got like the information about it. Now he's telling Titus. So this murder was pretty horrific. This woman, she shot her husband in the head 22 times with a shotgun. Hmm. They can't figure out what this has to do with Enigma. But Michael's so worked up that he's just like obsessively talking and he's like crushing Titus's arm throughout this whole thing. I like that whole scene where he's like, Michael, 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 you're squeezing my arm. My arm is broken. <laughs> therefore, you are hurting me. Aww. He's like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. Titus tells Michael to go take a cold shower. Outside the hospital, the narration tells us that Michael is wondering what to do. There's this one panel, right? So it's all colored right. in. It's like a, a six frames on the page. But there's one that has no background or no, no well, color. And no yeah. frame to it at all. Yeah. And it's just, not, there's nothing except these two guys. Right. So uh, this guy in a tank top walks by Michael and he stops and he looks at him. In the middle of him thinking. He's thinking all this stuff and then there's just this. Right? It's just, uh, I like the storytelling in that. Oh, yeah. Michael also sees a newspaper and it has a picture of Envelope Girl on it. Envelope Girl still at large. But it also reminded me that she was still in this story because, like, so much happens. Right, like, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, I kind of forgot about her. <laughs> As Michael is looking at the picture on the newspaper, suddenly he wants to find her, curl up in her stomach and dream. So so then we cut to his dream. This is weird, right? It's because he's standing there. He's looking at the newspaper. Right. Yeah. Then we cut to, like, this weird dream. Michael's dream begins with the Interior League dancing like puppets on his bed. Michael tells them to go away. Instead, they change into his mother and father. There's a deep rumbling from underground. The house is shaking. The house is falling down. The earthquake breaks the house in two, and Michael is pulled from the rubble of his childhood by the Enigma. Soon he's standing in a room full of dolls and more puppets. Envelope Girl opens her arms, sucking him in. He steps towards her. And what will he find behind the folds of her impish smile? But suddenly she is holding a bucket of water. She laughs in, and then she, like, we see her dump the water on him. But, like, Duncan Fergredo had to draw all this. Yeah. Like, yeah. like what if someone gave you the script and, like, oh, here's this, like, weird dream it's scene. very, and, like, and, Morrison. And it's just like, okay, draw this. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, and he did. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. It is so it's cool. It's a very Grant Morrison-esque kind yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. This page has no panels. It's just like images flowing into each other. Really nice. And it's so interesting to look at after you've read it, right? Because we've already read it. There's a lot of clues that may will make more sense. Yeah. When we when you get when, to the end. Yeah. So when Michael wakes up, he's wet. He's had a wet dream, right, in the bed. And he's like, oh, this hasn't happened since I was a kid. So he goes and he takes a shower. And in the shower, he has a revelation. He remembers that he's seen those puppets and dolls from the dream with envelope girl i like how he rips the shower curtain open and yeah. all the rings go flying and stuff like that he's like i've been there he's all dramatic <laughs> we cut to the pacific folk museum i didn't check if this was a real place or not and so michael goes inside and he finds a display of all those little puppets and dolls and then he runs into envelope girl he's like jesus you're really here of course I've been here. I've always been here, there and everywhere. Come here, little boy. He's like, no, wait, I'm different. I'm part of this too. I dreamt you'd be here. And she's like, so what do you want, a medal? He's like, but it's incredible. <laughs> it's significant. Michael tries to convince her of her real identity. Right. And when he mentions her name, Victoria, yes, yeah, she kind of like, she hesitates for a second. 
I love that panel. Yeah, that's a, uh, yeah, it's a great panel. And it's like the stars are not on her face. That's like an effect that's happening, right? Or something? Yeah. 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 I really like that. She's like biting her bottom lip. Like Fagredo, his art on this book really has changed. Yes. You know what I mean? Like looking at a panel like this versus what we saw in like the first issue. But I I guess she puts like a glamour over Michael because she's able to then pull him into her envelope. We get for a second to see what happens when you go in the envelope. So cool. Right. For like one panel. Like how her dress inside there is like packing tape. Oh, yeah. 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 I love where he's, she's like releasing him out of there. She goes, ta-da, that's such a great. Yeah. Ta-da. It's such, yeah, a, it's so such a great panel. <laughs> and, and then right after that, the panel right after that, incredible. That's what I'm saying. That's the panel yes. where you're inside the envelope. Amazing. And it's just like all pink with all the stars. He's upside down in the panel. And then like the, when you're opening the cardboard box that you're in and that one sliver of light. Comes oh, yeah. through and then you get out of there. Man, this whole page is fantastic. I oh, love yeah. this page. I like how it says this side up, like yeah. also on the box. It's cute. This is a um, great page. But uh one thing that I didn't think about until you said that is she said ta da when she also did William Williams. Yeah. I wonder if she says that every time. I guess. Ta da. Oh, that would be really cool. Yeah, I would like that. Um cute. you know, if it was cinematic, you would see it happen several times or something like that. So Michael, when he comes out of his package, he's at the well in arizona that they keep talking about right where this horrible thing happened and he meets this guy who's fixing up the house and he seems to know about the murder so we're going to find out that this is the cousin of the guy who was killed and they have like a rough initial meeting because the guy's like i didn't hear your car pull up or else i would have shot out the tires are you one of those sickos and michael's like look no it's complicated i'm doing some research I'm sorry if it brought back any bad memories. And so the guy looks at him and he's like, let's get out of the sun. Right. I kind of like that where he kind of like warms up to him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I forgot to mention, I love this top panel where he realizes this is where the murder was. And he goes, this is where that woman shot her husband, isn't it? And he like ruffles his hair. Like he's like, that revelation is exciting him or I don't know. It's also very horrific if you're like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Someone that I know was murdered here. And that's why, that's why that guy's like, and that's why that guy's like, are you one of those sickos? But I just like that expression that's captured by Fregredo right there. I'm glad that he realizes he's being super inappropriate and awful, though, and kind of tones it down. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yes, an actual person was murdered here by another person, and I knew those people, so. Shot in the face with a shotgun 22 times. Maybe maybe chill the fuck out and not be so excited about it. That's another thing about the... Anyway, I'm not going to get into it. He reins it in, yeah. yeah. The guy, he mentions, like, they thought all these things were happening because the place was haunted. And he mentions that he's seen some weird things around there, like a flying lizard. And Michael's just like, he can't believe that anyone else has seen a flying lizard. You right. know what I mean? I love that expression where he's like, um, someone someone believes him. You know what I mean? That he, that, Or it's not just in his head. It's not just in his head, yeah. right? So the guy says... That they've had uh, an exorcist there to get rid of all the evil spirits. And so now he's like fixing up the place and he's going to put wallpaper up. And when he mentions wallpaper, Michael starts like seeing wallpaper. He's like, home, wallpaper, walleye, pretty as a picture. He's like, now I remember where I saw them. This is incredible. This is insane. And he just starts walking off. The guy's like, where are you going, boy? He goes, home. I'm going home. 
Chapter six, the end of the world. This is a really cool image. Yeah. All the covers are pretty intriguing. Yeah. They've been really oh, yeah. interesting. So when we open, we find Michael. He's at like a, it looks like a trash heap, right? Or something like a, yeah. almost like a yeah. junkyard. And there's a big hole in the ground in the middle of all the trash. There's like seagulls flying around and everything. The narration says the mouth was once cruel to him. You see, it sent him away without so much as a goodbye kiss. And now it hisses. This used to be your sad little world, which has thankfully ended. And so we see Michael go down into this. Like, there's like a hole in the middle. And he starts like crawling down in there. And then we have like a flashback, right? Because this has has to have happened before, right? Or I would assume so, because yeah. he, he was on the plane. Yeah, and he's talking to Titus, and he's kind of telling him some of the stuff that he's learned, but he's also telling us too, right? The old man mentioned a ghost and exorcist and flying lizards and another thing. I know what it was about the Interior League, the thing I couldn't remember, the one called Walleye. His costume, the pattern on it, I'd seen it before a long time ago, a long time ago. So we go down there, and he's crawling into the same space where we've seen Enigma. Like, that's where Enigma's been staying. Whenever we cut to Enigma, this is the room that he's in. There's the skeleton there and all the candles. But then we also learn that this is Michael's old home. Uh, the colors on this, as as it brings you into it, are very dreamlike, too. Yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting, because it's, like, intercut with Michael is going down in there, but he's also having flashbacks of what happened there he also finds his old enigma comics are there this is where i lived when i was a child my father died here in the last big earthquake to hit pacific his body was never recovered so this was his grave my mother laid flowers on the ground above here seagulls flew off with them before the crappy little makeshift service was even finished everything was against us and he lost his enigma comics down there too so basically like the earth like swallowed up his childhood home in this earthquake killing the dad and this is also the same place where the enigma has been the wallpaper looks like looks walleye so cool. and the comics are in there and it's just like really weird Super yeah dope. and he turns around and he sees enigma there with him what? he feels as though he is standing on the very edge of a high mountain part of him wishes he could fall from it he's never really fallen before he's always pulled back at the last minute because according to popular opinion, when you fall from a mountain, you usually end up getting hurt. We cut back over to that weird padded cell. We saw that guy waiting outside and the creature. And then, of course, what's going to happen? The creature is going to burst out and get the guy. It even tells us this man is going to be hurt. That's the first thing it says, right? <laughs> yeah. So it lets us know. It's got like Lady Deathstrike fingers and this weird thing coming out of its back. Some we like a weird spine Let's get back to the pants pisser and the superhero, eh? Joyce. Michael's there. He's asking the Enigma all these questions, and he mentions that Titus thinks that he's making all this up. He's like, but that isn't true, right? Look, are you going to tell me who you are? I always hated cliffhangers. I always liked knowing where I was. Who are you? I'm whoever you want me to be, Enigma no, says. No, sorry. He's That's, like, no. That kind, of tacky, <laughs> that kind of tacky, bogus line Titus used to come up with. It works okay on the page, but just doesn't sound real when it's spoken. You're bullshitting me, aren't you? <laughs> Perhaps. Like his expression on his face. He's like, no. He really does seem like he's not impressed with that. So he's asking all these questions. How is all this happening? This is happening. His face again. It's yeah. just the facial expressions in this book are... Top notch. And it looks like Enigma like is using some powers right here yeah, or something, right? Some like powers, there's some like for sure. Uh that's a really cool effect. I like that. 
some floaty some floaty powers yeah floaty powers yeah he's like i've come all this way just to end up where i started mom and dad's front room talking to the hero from my favorite fucking comic now say <laughs> something and he throws the comic the the old enigma comics and so enigma just says come with me we cut back over to arizona hey and now we're back in arizona the narration boxes says with this old boy again the story just don't stop do it this old boy <laughs> so is this the guy that was fixing up the house right i assume so so he goes down to the well um he looks down there and then something terrible happens because he's all like ah! yeah and there's like blood flying out and he's no all like good. oh shit it's you <laughs> right oh right he did say that this is no good so we cut back over to michael and the enigma they're on a rooftop and michael doesn't understand why enigmas brought him there to watch to watch the enigma so michael looks over <laughs> and he's he's on, like man. he's like oh envelope girl's down there he's and so enigma goes that's right so keep reading uh. and he jumps down there and michael's like i'm gonna actually see this thing <laughs> it's so funny he has this moment where we're like wow this is gonna happen Whoa. the hero is swooping down into we, action yeah. quote unquote we see envelope girl there with all her followers the enigma just starts beating the crap out of her, right? Don't like that. It really does. Don't like that. Are you ready to be utterly sent, she says, and it's all like playful and he's just like no, and he just like beats her in the mouth. And he like hits her in the stomach too, and as he's hitting her there's like these red stars that are coming it's really out. Really brutal. Yeah. yeah. But that's an interesting effect though. Her face is so human like it's not there's no more witty banter or fun yeah, time. Yeah. Like her face looks like she's really He's being beating hurt. the absolute yeah. shit out of her, and it's not fun to watch or look at at all. It's no good. And the narration boxes even say, some of you may want to turn away at this point. So Michael, he sees all this happening. He runs down. He has to step in between the Enigma and Envelope Girl to get him to stop. He's like, what are you doing? I'm going to kill her, the Enigma says. Look at her. You've already broken her, Michael says. Why do you want to kill her? Why? Because I'm the Enigma, and she's a villain, and that's what I do. And Michael's like, let's get out of here. We all know heroes murder people. Right. That's right. what heroes do. <laughs> they murder people. He tells someone to call an ambulance, and he checks on Victoria for a second, and she's, like, coming back around. She's like, where am I? The last thing I remember was the fashion show and all that stuff, right? Right yeah. before she became Envelope Girl. Back in the hospital, uh, Titus is watching all this on TV. And the news report is telling us that now people are not liking the Enigma because of this thing that he did. Right. Public opinion has fallen. So Titus is like, bastard. And he gets on the phone. He's like, let me do an interview. I'm going to publicly distance myself from the character. I like how the news report, when they're showing the video, it says amateur film on it. Because, like, of course, in 1993, everybody didn't have cell phones to record videos. Right. Oh, right. So. Yeah. Good job there, Aubrey. But yeah, he's 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 finally doing the interview to publicly distance himself from this person masquerading right, right, as a character yeah. that he made. He's like, I didn't I'm not advocating for any of this shit. Yeah. Well, and even he could say that, like, the psychiatrists and the police also sure. said that he didn't have anything to do with it or whatever. So Michael and the Enigma have this talk. And he's like, why do you care if I killed her? You can't just kill people. You can't just kill people. Yeah. Like. But he goes, what about the truth and the head in the Interior League? And he's like, well, maybe that's a little different because they were killing innocent people. And the Enigma goes, what are innocent people? Uh, an innocent person is someone who hasn't done anything wrong, Michael responds. Anything badly wrong. Wrong in what sense, Enigma asks. 
how do you determine wrong the truth thought he was right michael's like i know but look i'm supposed to be asking you the difficult questions if the truth was victor lamont and the head was roger cliff who are you you already know that michael the enigma responds the enigma no i mean where were you born who are you really what i'm trying to say is what is your secret identity and then he like laughs at What's his own secret identity for, for saying that he's like this is all so ridiculous and he just walks off the rooftop but then he's floated back up by enigma you stepped off the roof to see if i'd let you fall that's right to see if you were completely inhuman and to see how important i am to you just give me a clue how did this all start all right enigma says you could say it all started in Arizona 25 years ago on a farm. It was an ordinary sort of farm, the kind of place where you'd have sexual relations with your parents and end up shooting someone. Gross. So that's like the the opening line of yeah. the thing. So now we're like back into it, which is weird because I was kind of like, what's happening right here? But before we go on, if we go back one page, I like how... So on the first page, you see Enigma, his mask and everything, his face. But on the second page, it's just the mask. And the rest of the face is blacked out. Oh, yeah. I just think that's interesting. That's a nice detail. You know, and, and I really like that. Oh, actually, in this top panel, you can't see his face, so it's not exactly. But I do like that progression, I guess. So we're kind of seeing the farmhouse. There's a lot of weird stuff happening here, right? So we zoom in on the house. It's a couple, I guess. And they're looking at a crib. And then they're like, what's wrong? And then the, the guy's like, ah! And it's like, what's happening to your face? So, like, I don't know what happened. They looked at this baby. And then this guy started freaking out. We cut back to Enigma and Michael talking, and he's like, go on, what happened? Nothing happened, the Enigma says. I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's just fiction. I'll tell you how the world started instead. And Michael's like, uh, the world, I guess I'll settle for that. In the beginning, there was thunder and screams and terrible faces. Warm giant hands held me, God's hands. God made me and then carried me into the world. God held me in the sky above the world and spoke to me in a language I could not quite understand and then dropped me into the world, dropped me down through a hole in the sky into the world. So we see a couple weird things here, right? We see this one guy who's got like a deformed face, and then we also see like this angelic figure throwing a baby down a well. Hmm. As soon as the sky closed and I was in the world in the dark, the one true world, I screamed for a while, screamed for God, but God had left the world. I was alone with voices and the others. Soon I became hungry and asked for food with my mind, and food came, and we see that it's a lizard. The Enigma says it was a perfect world. A world without God, but perfect all the same. That's enough for now, it's your turn. And Michael's like, what, my turn? To tell me about one world ending and the other beginning. So we're getting a sense of like Enigma's origin, I guess. He was thrown yeah. down a well and he ate lizards. That's weird, right? Mm. Because well, we, we saw him eating a lizard in the previous set of issues right, and i yeah. was like what does this mean right but i guess it's just something that he does i thought it was like a turning point or it meant something significant well, he creates them with his mind right so yeah. maybe they're not lizards but we perceive them as oh, lizards oh right okay i don't know well, i just assumed that he just called them the lizards came yeah i, I thought he i thought created, he just called i think them. he creates them with his mind interesting so we get this one really out there, just wordless page. I love how it just throws you in the middle of the stuff. You have to assume what's happening, but then you go, yeah, I guess I, I figured this out. So it's like that weird monster, you know, I guess it took over. Like, it's like a, assuming, assimilating people, right? Because we saw that it was that weird Lady Deathstrike thing. And then now it got that guy that was in the well. So now he's part of it, too. The Ugh. guy with the cap. 
Cronenberg gossity. And then apparently they have some guy who's there making them drive it yeah, to like the, Pacific City. It's got the the claws in the back of his head, probably controlling it. Oh, way. right. That's what it's doing. Some, some Cronenbergery happening here. We cut back to Michael and Enigma. Enigma asks him to tell him about one world ending and another beginning. And Michael, he starts to feel all dizzy and he's like, all right. Um, I'll tell you about it. So we learn more about that night he went to the gay bar, right? And when it ended, he was like peeking out of the stall being like a weirdo. So here uh, we learn that he came out and he met this guy named Steven. He was a young guy, so maybe that made it easier. Easier to do what, Michael Enigma asks? Easier to say yes when he asked me back to his apartment. And so we learn that Michael went back there. Um... I stood in the guy's apartment, and yes, it was like having the world fall apart around me. I was in an earthquake again. He kissed me in the elevator. I'd let him kiss me. I'd wanted him to kiss me. He went to fix some drinks, and then something broke. My nerve, probably. I don't know. I ran out. Caught a cab home. I'd turn around and be like, uh, rude. Just <laughs> made some drinks, and that's, that's so I odd. I know, right? Very antisocial. And he was like, I couldn't sleep. I was scared, sick. I was scared, shaking, sick excited enigma asks yeah yeah excited but a little disgusted by my excitement i mean i wasn't gay what was i doing so i lay in bed wanting sleep wanting oblivion and so like he like masturbates and he tries to think about all these women natasha kinsky she's like a german model and actress from the 90s um i don't she was puts in the, madonna in that list there. madonna's in there um but all, all i know from natasha kinsky is cat people do you know any other Natasha Kinsky movies? Not off the top of my right, head, but yeah. I remember Cat People. Yeah. <laughs> he even thinks of his ex-girlfriend, Sandra, but the women kept fading away. It wasn't Stephen who took the woman's place. It wasn't Stephen I kept seeing. It was you, he tells Enigma. I kept thinking of, I kept seeing you. I got a crush on an imaginary guy. Right. Imaginary weirdo who beats up people. Beats people up. <laughs> So uh, I like this. He has this moment where he's like, does anything mean anything? I mean, in the end, does it really matter what we do? Does it make any difference? Does anything really matter? No, nothing really matters, Enigma says. Good, Michael responds. That's good. And so... By the way, I was joking earlier. If you're on a date and you're not feeling it for any reason at all, you can just leave. Just walk out and leave. That's totally fine. You don't know anyone an explanation, especially if you've just met them. If you feel uncomfortable, you can go. Yeah. I was just yeah. sort of kidding around earlier, but for reals, you can bail. Well, I like um, when Michael says good, he reaches up to uh, Enigma's face, and then he slowly pulls the mask off Enigma. Very romantic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very romantic. He's a hunk. Yeah. He's too handsome. <laughs> he looks like, yeah, he looks like a, one of those classic, like, romance novel yeah, cover illustrations, yeah. you know? He looks like a brunette Fabio very, or something yeah. like that, you know? Very, well, he's got a, nice. he's, but he's also got the, uh, he's got the lips of a, uh, of a, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. A, uh, He's got the lips of a Val Kilmer. Sure, he's sure. Very, he's yeah. got the bone okay. structure. The narration says, and he feels himself falling, as though falling from the highest mountain, and this time he will let himself fall. And he will learn he will learn that contrary to popular opinion, it needn't hurt at all. So precious and beautiful. Yeah. Love it. Really nice. All these panels oh, yeah. of them like the hair. And the hair exactly. I love I was what Fagredo's doing with the hair right here. These <laughs> yes. like tendrils of hair. It's yeah. very romance really novel. Nice. It's very, yeah. you know. It is, it is all very sweet and it's tender. It's super sweet. Yeah. 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 It's adorable. Chapter 7. Sex in Arizona. 
this blew my mind. This yeah, image this right cover here. Is I was wild. like, oh my god, mm-hmm. this is so cool. All the lizards um, everywhere. Yeah. In, in the supplementary material, it actually shows us the covers. So like the covers did have like a little box over it. So when we see this, we're seeing a version of the cover that is different. Yeah. Because oh, okay. it did have something right here. So I like that. I really like that we're getting to see this totally unaltered image without this other stuff overlaid on top of it. I'll show you what I mean when we get to the sketchbook section. It's a it's a proper painting. Like it's Yeah, it really yeah. is. I love how he's like with over his eyes. Like that's what it is. Like that yeah. the, there's no eyes. Well and also I mean like obviously like the lizards are cool, but then yeah. like the swirly powers are amongst his hair. Yeah. yeah. And all Gosh. this. Outstanding. Love the feet and the expressive hands. Yeah, look that. at all the muscles in the leg and everything. I mean, this is, yeah, this is and like the, a true painting. Absolutely. Like, you know, that's, yeah. what I, that's what this I mean. Is more it's than a proper I, painting. Not, not, okay, not that comic book covers aren't paintings, but this this is like a work of art. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah. it the could, composition it, of it and the... It, it could exist outside of the comic yes. as its own thing. Well, and the, you know the, I mean? the very dramatic way he's holding the mask and yeah, everything. It's very yeah. picturesque and yeah. very dramatic. And of course, this cover actually means a lot more now that I've read the story. Uh, right. Because you kind of know exactly what it is. Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you don't, intriguing. So this opening page in the sketchbook section, you know, Fagredo really went back and forth on how he was going to pose them in the right. bed right here, you know? And, uh, he was like, um, I think he writes, we'll see in the sketchbook section, but he writes like less fetal, more just like comfortable, you yeah. know what I mean? And stuff yeah. like that. And it really is a very tender scene here. It says, the yes, hair. the hair is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they've done it on the roof and back here at home. Michael Smith and the Enigma. Michael Smith and his secret childhood comic book pal. It wasn't a smooth operation, a lot of fumbling, dead ends, false starts, but what they lacked in technique, they made up for in feeling. Yes, really, feeling. These aren't trees or fish, after all. These are warm creatures with warm skin. They are creatures who have taken the biology out of sex. These are two men redrawing the maps of themselves. Actually, you should have seen it. You really missed something. I like how they just put it out there. I mean, I guess like in 93, this would have been a big deal to have this be the first page of the comic right right yeah i don't know i mean i i think so and they really focus on like how comfortable michael is now that you know he feels oh, yeah. different you he's know he feels like he's he feels like he's a caveman that was slowly thawing all this kind of stuff and he can't believe that he used to only do it on tuesdays he's like my god every tuesday <laughs> And he's just like giddy, like this whole scene, he's just talking about like how much he's changed and he can't believe this and he, he can't stop talking. Um, at one point, he asks the Enigma, what are you smiling at? And the, the Enigma says, I never smile. No, you don't, do you? You have a kind of superior smirk. I like that. I thought that was cute. Michael says, you know what's so special? This, you and me. I found you at the risk of sounding corny. I guess I found myself too. And he talks about how like he thought he was creating all of this, but now that he meets him like that's not true right i mean like he didn't he obviously didn't create this guy right but enigma says of course i know it's not true i created myself what does that mean michael says what about the farm the collins farm you told me how your mother dropped you into a well did that really happen or was it just a story and the enigma says it did really happen at one point the enigma's like uh are you hungry and he's like yeah actually and so he turns he around and a lizard. he's got yeah. a lizard there and he's like, oh, no, I'm I'm not hungry. And he like turns around so he doesn't have to see him, I guess, eat it. But he tells him uh, when he's done, if he won't if he if he won't mind helping him with something, it's not strictly legal. I have a feeling that won't bother you. 
And he uncovers a skeleton? So that's his yeah. dad, right? That's yeah. his dad's corpse that's been in there um, in the wreckage after the earthquake all this time. He said it was never recovered. So here they go to bury the dad in the cemetery. So I like this. He's like, it's not legal. So I guess like they just found a a grave. Uh, right. Like, it looks like they have an empty one there or something. So they just put him there. Michael gets emotional. You know, he cries. And the Enigma points it out. So he says, so haven't you ever cried before? No, don't answer that. <laughs> uh, but the Enigma, for a second, he lingers, you know, and looks at the grave. Back in the hospital, um, we see that Titus is receiving a call from Michael. And Michael's telling him everything. He's met the Enigma. And they're together. And they've been together. And all this kind of stuff. Are you serious, Titus asks? Yeah, I'm serious. You and him? Yeah. And so while Titus is talking... There's this funny detail. This old man in a wheelchair is like wheeling up to where Titus is. He puts the phone down and he goes, I don't believe it. He's screwing one of my characters, he says to the old man. So report this son of a bitch to the Writers Guild. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that line. That was so great. We also get a nice scene of Titus and Michael catching up. And we also get like the progression of Titus healing too. Yeah, his leg is no longer in traction anymore. Right, yeah. Michael says that they can scrap the idea of him making it up from his mind. He hasn't really told him much. What he has told me is unreal. It's wilder than anything you could have ever written. Thanks a million, buddy, Titus says. He asks him if he wants to drop a poison, so Titus still has his booze there. And uh, Michael's like, oh, I didn't mean to denigrate your writing skills. That's good because I don't have any, Titus responds. And Michael's like, not true. I like that, where he's like, no. No, you're you, good. You are good. He starts giving Titus some of the information that he's learned about the Enigma. But Titus says that he doesn't think he should trust him. You saw what he did to Envelope Girl. And Michael's like, well, I know this is dangerous, but I can't stop things now. I've never felt like this about anyone before. I've never felt anything like this before. Michael's like, uh, well, yeah, he'll tell me everything eventually, but I don't know what difference it's going to make. Titus says, well, yeah, because no matter what or who he is, you're still going to be in love with him. He says, yeah, it's pathetic, isn't it? Like, ah, don't be a putz. It sounds wonderful. I'm jealous. I wish I felt that way about somebody. But you need to be careful. He's beautiful, but he's also very scary. Right. Yeah. yeah. So how fit are you? Can you, you know, can you get out of here? And he's like, oh, what do you have in mind? Uh." (laughs) He's like, ah, come on. Don't joke around, you know, and. They, uh, they leave. He's on crutches, and they leave the hospital. And so they go to visit uh, Victoria Yes, um, Envelope Girl. And so he's like, well, I, I know her. You know, I, I helped save her, and I've, I've got a visitor. And so the cop's like, you need to get the fuck out of here. But then he looks like he's under the influence right, of some powers yeah. all of a sudden. He's, like, asleep. Yeah. So they're just like, okay. So they go into, you know, Victoria's room. And so the Enigma's there. The Enigma's in there, yeah. And I like the uh, the lighting coming through the blinds hitting everything it looks amazing and so they're like how did you get in here he's like that doesn't matter why did you want to meet me here and he's like well you need to help her because she's all fucked up and you fucked her up right and he's like why he's like well you hurt her so you need to help her and so i want you to help her but more than that i want you to want to help this has to (laughs) this this should mean something to you he's like why should it mean anything to me if she was a lizard i would eat her it it would mean nothing to me i think nothing of it Hey, she Bertrand up, Russell. She, she pipes up and she's like, hey, Bertrand Russell, just uh, bloody well let him help me and save the philosophy till later, okay? She's just like, shut the fuck yeah. up and just yeah, let just, him help me. Yeah, just get on with it. <laughs> yeah. Bertrand Russell was a famous philosopher. Yes. Yeah. So uh, 
he's like, okay, everybody, everybody, shut up. He's gonna have to concentrate, and so he does some weird he magic. He does some weird there. magic yeah, to her, I and that's that was good. Cool, very cool. And so she's like, all right, okay, she's passed out. She's all right. I'm supposed to feel good about that, right? I think I'm missing something. I think you're missing something <laughs> you too, buddy. Too. You're missing something. And Titus is like, you could be a savior you could be jesus my character the enigma jesus the messiah take it easy you're sounding like an enigmatic <laughs> right it's like i'm serious you know how do you know he's not jesus well for a start i slept with him so if jesus came back is it likely i would sleep with him and he gets mad he's and rightfully so he goes yes why not why shouldn't the next messiah be gay <laughs> and he's pit- he's offended yeah. and rightfully so it's like well i was sleeping well so the fuck what who says he what who said who says he's not gay who says the messiah is not gay go for it but then they, they stop in the middle of all this because the Enigma is, like, frozen or he's, like, having some sort of thing happening he's to him. He's having a fit. Yeah. And he's sweating. And then all of a sudden, Victoria, yes, Envelope Girl, something horrible happens to her, it's right? real bad. It's almost like she folds in on herself and something else bursts out. Right. It's like she becomes, like, a skin box or something. It's really gross and weird. I mean, it, it's kind of, like, weird because, like, when she was the envelope girl, she would fold she people like into coat, her. Yeah. And then, like, they would pop out of a box, and now she's, like, a like a flesh box, and somebody else is popping out of her. And that thing that pops out is that monster that we've been seeing, right? Yes. Yeah, because it's got the cap and everything. It's, like, all... It's really gross. <laughs> oh, this is gross, and yes. I'm turning the page now. Michael says, "Who? what is that? That's the same thing that he said when he saw the head. Yeah. Actually, it's my mother. Yeah. This horrific monster. She screams. It's that word. That word, mother. It annoys her. So uh, so this thing is attacking uh, the Enigma, so they have to get Titus out of there. He's like, he's like, run, I'll meet up with you later. He's like, I can't run. My leg, then hobble, just go. <laughs> <laughs> This is more like it, a fight scene. Enigma versus his mom. Jesus versus the Virgin. Maybe Titus Bird would have had a scene like this if he'd been allowed to produce part for the Enigma. Or maybe not. It swipes him through the wall, and Michael says that she killed him. You've killed your own son. And Michael collapses, and the monster just walks away, I guess. It's just like, ah, I guess I did that. So then on this next page, I guess as Michael's there crying, he's also having a flashback of... When his dad died? With the aftermath of it. So I guess, like, he's like, my dad's in there just in all the rubble. God, that's awful. And I guess his mom just, like, slaps him for crying or whatever for not wanting to leave. Well, she's like, it's still shaky. It's still a dangerous situation, and he's running in there, and so she's trying to get him out of there. And Although slapping your kid's not not the answer. No, but I mean, I don't know. Everyone's stressing out because of a deadly earthquake, I guess. But yeah. Oh, right. Shut up and do what you're told is a very mean thing to say, and slapping your child is obviously a horrible thing to do, but... Yes, because uh, the monster kind of slapped Enigma into the ground, and then so he's remembering his dad being swallowed up in the ground, and then back in the real life, Enigma, his hand comes out of the rubble. So we learn that, like, the mother, I guess, when they were conceiving the child that would become Enigma, it says... Her mind drifted onto other things. We'll never know exactly what things. People move in and out of other people's lives, and no one ever knows exactly what other people are thinking. In this way, we are all alone, but I am more alone than most. And so we cut back to, I guess this is back in that hole underground, and we see that Enigma is alive, right? He's bloody, but he's still alive. So, you know, Michael's happy, and they're there dreaming. 
it says, or more accurately, is dreamt too. Like, he's seeing his dream. He's seeing the Enigma's dream. Falling through darkness. I'm a baby in a well. Yeah. Here in the dream, he's being dropped into the well. There's a lizard's down there. With your mind, you ask for food. And we see all the lizards coming out. It's a perfect world. Sometimes you play with your food. You throw pieces of your mind into it. You change it. Some food grows. Some becomes very quick or looks very different or attacks you or talks to you about odd imaginary worlds. And so the the lizards that he's calling or whatever creating, he's also able to like change them. Yeah, yeah. like like evolve them or something, make yeah. them bigger, make them smarter. So like when that red lizard talked to that guy and told him where to get the package right. and all that stuff, you know what I mean? Always, like they're all magical lizards. That is such a cool panel, though. I love this, like, yeah, big the little guys. purple and red lizard or whatever. Yeah. It's really neat. Cute. It's like a yeah. puppy. So he's in this perfect, happy world, and then the sky opens up. We see, like, him being encompassed with light. Michael wakes up being affected by this because he's seen the same dream, right? He's like, it's the exorcist, wasn't it? They opened the sky, and that's what kind of woke you up or brought you out of this. The Enigma wakes up, and Michael's like, you're conscious. But the Enigma says... Close your eyes again. Relax. It's easier to talk this way. What does he mean by giving him the dream or whatever? Yeah, he's like, yeah. I, I want you to know what it was like. I want you to understand. And he's just like, it's just easier for me to communicate right. to you this way yeah, than have yeah. to fucking say all these words. I, I shall dream it into your mind or whatever. We cut over to Titus. He's hobbling away. Boy, this guy he's has really had the fainting, shit end man. of the stick. Yeah, this he's guy not has. having a good time of um, it. Yeah, I mean, he's been... What happened? Uh, he got stung by bees, and then uh, he had a hangover. A and... He had a hangover, and then he got hit by a car, and now he's hobbling away from a giant monster, and he's fiending, and he's trying to find a drink, and then he's confronted by the monster. I was like, oh, shit, this is not good. They're going to really kill this guy. We cut back to Enigma's dream, and we see that when the sky was torn open, it was like, I guess, these people finding him. Is it Are these the exorcists or whatever? All they did was just find this guy... They're like, oh my god, there's someone down there. We actually get a shot of him down there in the well. Yeah. That's really that's wild. A really cool, yeah. that's, that's really wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. a cool panel. That's a really cool panel. I, sorry, I can't stop thinking about what you said about the uh, about Titus. He's the his character is the comic book writer. I just yeah. wonder how I wonder how much oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of that is like, you know the comic book writer writing a comic book writer. Yeah. I wonder how much of that is like a Kind of a, t a tongue in cheek sort of a thing. This is where Enigma's world ended and a new one began, right? Where he was pulled out of the well. Yeah. Um, and the first time that he had to open his eye. Remember the first time you opened one savage new eye and saw the new world? Remember how your mind screamed that darkness covered you again? That's an incredible page. Yeah, right that's there. amazing. Yeah. And earlier, you know, after he had seen the truth. Like it talked about him covering his mind in sheets of black or whatever, right? So yeah, kind of mm -hmm. reminded me of that too. Chapter eight, queer. I love this cover. It's got like that whole kind of like immaculate, like kind of halo. You know, there was that right. same effect where um, when the mom dropped him in the well. when the mom dropped him in the well. But like Fagredo has used some of that in the Hellboy stuff. I want to say it was like Vasilisa oh, yeah. and some of that stuff. We've seen kind of like some of this immaculate. I don't know, imagery or whatever. I really like that. It almost looks like a woodcut. Yeah. It almost evokes yeah. Like No, you're exactly right. It's definitely cut. evoking that. Nice. So uh, this opening page is Enigma trying to bite this guy's foot, I guess. <laughs> Basically, what we're seeing is... Uh, so uh, uh, the narration box reads, 
He had a charming lightness of touch as he transfixed the young doctor, nearly stripped him, and prepared to devour him smelly toes first. I see, okay. Of course, they hadn't told him that he wasn't allowed to eat the doctors. They just arrogantly presumed he wouldn't. Just as they arrogantly presumed he'd been an imbecile simply because he'd spent his entire life down in a dry well in Arizona. So we're seeing after they brought him out of the well, they're in the hospital trying to figure out what to do with him. And he's using this like glamour. You know, he mm-hmm. has this effect or whatever. So, oh, right. And he doesn't know he's not supposed to be doing that. Right. And he just eats lizards. So he's like, yeah, I'll eat this guy's foot. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Looks tasty. He's like looking at them and he's like, they have these oval blobs in face of the panorama. But then he realizes that he has those oval blobs too. He, I guess he thought that he had just a big window. Sure. But e- mm. but even on that cover, where he, and it made that right. kind of image. Well, he's never seen himself in yeah. a mirror. So he doesn't know what yeah. his eyes look like. You know, when he looks in the mirror, he realizes that he looks like them, too. Like this part where the doctor's coming to, he's like, what's going on? I think our friend was about to eat you, one of the guys says. <laughs> the narration box says, they weren't brilliant. They weren't horrifically dull. They were the small noise an insect makes when it slides down your throat. Hmm. So he's superior to all of them. They try to stop him and he just uses his glamour. I love that effect, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's cute. Um, and, and he's, he's able like, to just like walk bah. out of the hospital. Yeah, he's like, bye, I'm out of here, bye. He's like, you can't just leave. We've got hundreds of more tests to run. <laughs> no, actually. Smell you later. Yeah. We cut to Michael and Enigma. They're in a car. And they're going into some neighborhood. Doesn't this look similar to the car that Hellboy and Alice were in? in oh, uh, you're right. The Storm of the Fury. <laughs> yes, except it was blue. And Figredo said that his wife drives that car. So yes. I wonder if like she had that kind of car already. That is so funny. You're absolutely right. I'm going to put a side-by-side comparison of these. Awesome. That, that is the same type of car. Good job there. So, so they're tra- they're looking for a cemetery. So Enigma says that he like threw his mind out. I f- I followed old avenues and dead voices. I opened my nostrils and inhaled. He's right. like, right. So you didn't try the local library right. first. Then. <laughs> okay. More advocating for your local library. There you go. Um. Yeah. So we go back to the if flashback. You, if you don't have psychic powers, yeah, <laughs> go to the library. So we go back to the flashback. I guess after all this happened, Enigma went back into the well, right? Yeah. You can't go back to the old well again. Because right. now, now that he knew the outside world exists, he just can't go back to that world right. anymore. Yeah. And remember earlier, it was like, it's like the comforting walls of an old well. You know what I mean? And so, right. and I was like, what does this even mean? But yeah, that's what he was used to. if you to. grew up in an old well. And it like just shows him like creating all these lizards. It says summoning pretty lizards who flew mysteriously through the air towards him. So he wolfed a few of them in disgust, massacred the rest with a twitch of his brow, and departed. Oh, right, because they said that they had found a bunch of... In an earlier scene, they said they found a bunch of dead... A bunch of these on the beach, or something like that. And the narration box reads, I think we should just be silent for one moment here and contemplate this waste of reptilian life. Excuse me, are you still there? I haven't lost you yet, have I? That's such I, a weird box. But I then, love yeah. those. Yes, that yes. that specific narration that specific box. box. Let's let's remember that one. He's very Phantom of the Opera over here. He is. He right? really is. You know, Enigma couldn't go back to the old well, but he did find where the Earth had swallowed up Michael's house. I guess after it stopped shaking, it kind of settled, and he could like crawl in there. So that is so weird. Like it's it's just a coincidence. All of this is a coincidence, right? Seems to be. 
I mean, but it's also or it's synchronicity, or it's like perfectly meant to be. Mm. You know mm. what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like perfectly meant to be that this would happen. It's so weird to think about how these well, two says, characters ended up where they were. He says he almost felt nostalgic. Right, yeah. right. Which is an interesting feeling to feel here. And he's like, oh, yeah, my old comics, I bet they gathered some dust on. He's like, yes, we're here, by the way. He's like, really? This this is it? Yeah, your your mother's buried there with nine other people. Her name doesn't appear on the stone, but her corpse is definitely there. And Michael's face, he's yeah. like, he never knew what happened to his mother. And then you see... Oh, kind right. of like she left him. Yeah, the, yeah. Idea, the idea of her here with all the flowers—they're like kind yeah. of reminding us his memory of her. And he cries about it. He says, "I never thought I'd cry. Thought I'd be angry and rant and rave or something." But what happened to you after your mother left? Enigma asks. But uh, I, even when we've uh, when we've read the Hellboy stuff, I've always remarked on the crying faces that Fredredo yes, does, yeah. and here is just really like, good. oh yeah, it's always been good. Really He's good. always been able to do those crying faces Very really well. Expressive. Uh, even on this next page, God, this second panel where he's got all the wetness around his eyes and right. stuff like that. And uh, he tells Enigma, you could look at my mind or whatever. Uh, open your nostrils and inhale or something. And he's like, no, I thought you'd just tell me instead. I thought I'd let you tell me instead. Yeah, he goes, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Aww. And he says he stayed in a bunch of horrible orphanages. He moved out as soon as he was 16, and then he met Sandra soon after. So he'd just been, like, stuck in that yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Thanks for bringing me here and for being here with me. He says, I needed to do this before I could, you know, move on. So you found the comics, you read the comics, and what happens? I mean, you didn't just think, like, hey, I'm going to base my life on this comic book. And he's like, that's exactly what I fucking <laughs> yes. did. I did that, yes. <laughs> that is what I did. He's like, why? Why would you want to? Because I saw that my life was absurd. I knew it didn't matter, Enigma says. One, I did. But I had to do something. I had to try to rebuild the walls of my well or stare into the abyss and go insane. So I thought, what more absurd way to live your life than base it on an absurd little comic book? I simply adjusted my face a little to look like the Enigma. I recreated my own features to give myself a better likeness. The characters of the comic would be my new walls. I would have the parameters I required. I would be the Enigma, and he puts the mask back mm-hmm. on. So he okay. just rearranges his face to. So that's why he's so handsome. Yeah, because he looks like a convict, like a handsome convict guy. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Your boyfriend's a very dangerous fucking weirdo. Right, exactly. <laughs> this is the turn, right? Because we kind of learned that, like, he created all the evil people too. He created Victoria, yes, and he turned them into. The, he basically turned them into all those monsters. I the created head. them. I threw my mind into them and changed them, just as I used to throw my minds into the lizards in the well when I was bored. Right. Hmm. Yeah. And then so Titus comes back. Hey, where the hell have you two been? I got a message for you. Your mother wants to see you. So I thought that's this a very, was <laughs> so crazy. Like He's just like, hey. But I thought they were gonna kill this guy, and it and it's uh, it basically just said. Where's the enigma? I've been dealing with your horse shit. <laughs> Why don't you come deal with it, sir? And he also asked Michael if he's all right. No. No. <laughs> no, Titus, no, Titus. Not really. No, I'm not. The colors by Van Valkenburg are ah, incredible. So good. Oh, page. so good. Um, I love this like kind of whole, I don't know, pinkish purple and white theme. I like how he drew a comic book page and then he doodled on it. Almost. Sure, yes, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It's, but I mean, obviously all of that is stylistically intentional. I, I, I love the effect that it has. I think he did a great job with that, is what, yes. I, is what I mean by that. We learned that Enigma, he sent his mine out throughout California 
and it traveled across the central plains of the United States, the wide deserts of the north, the vast oceans, out into the blackness and abyss of silence. We see it like outside of space. Cool. He pulled at his mind, tugged at its strings until it collapsed back to Earth, and aligned in Doug Moon's family tailors in an eastern suburb of Pacific City. So this tailor was suddenly possessed to make these costumes and then send them out. The Enigma's mind was slower now as it located a pickled lizard that still had Arizonan grit on its pickled belly. Because of the dirt that was on the bottom of the lizard, he could still find it. And so that's how he got it to talk to the guy that became the head to go find the package. So he did all of this. He made the costumes and okay. yeah. he, he made the lizard talk and everything. There's a, there's a magic man doing all of this. Right, okay. yes. My mother was the god who dropped me down into the world. It seems my god was incarcerated here, and I left my world and began stretching my mind out, Yeah. Uh, etc. He's just he's telling us a story about what we just saw. She is an echo of whatever I am. You could say I am giving birth to my own mother. So he, <laughs> So Titus is like, well, she said to meet her here, and so, uh, you know, well, she was big and horrible, and he goes, oh, sorry, I guess it's your mom I'm talking yeah. about, and so Michael's like, oh, don't worry about him, his feelings aren't easily hurt, I don't even know if he has any feelings at all, and Tyus is like, are you talking about that, you and him are like, you know. But he tells him, yeah. He well, created... he did a bunch of fucked up shit, so now yeah. I'm not sure, and so he goes, well, I wouldn't be the Enigma without the Enigma's super villains. He's like, those were real people going yeah. about their lives, what am I doing with you, I'm in love with a monster, yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, Titus is like, I'm in love with a monster. Boy, oh boy, I could have written that line. <laughs> hey, what side are you on here? The side of truth and justice, my boy. All right. <laughs> he's superior, right? Yeah, and he's like, look, I, I looked around and thought, I can't spend the rest of my days here with these people and right. love them, etc. See that lizard, the green one? Imagine yeah. if he had a human's intelligence. Imagine if he knew this entire story, but could only communicate it to the minuscule brains of his fellow lizards. Michael's like, what are you doing? And he's imbuing this lizard right. with some sort of magic here and the lizard looks like he's gesturing and talking right to the other lizards look at him look at the nightmare he has woken to that's how i felt boy howdy <laughs> wow, brother <laughs> brother what is going on this is <laughs> this is really weird yeah the lizard the way he's gesticulating at the other lizards and they're all listening to him very attentively it's just so okay all right Michael says all he knows is doing those things to people is wrong. The Enigma's like, that word wrong again. How are you defining? I don't know. I don't care about clever wordplay or semantics. To me, it's important. It's important that I know that some things are just wrong. Period. You know, morality. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. you know, it's it's this, that kind of sense of like, look, I know that this is not a, a correct thing to do. This is not right. It's you're hurting people. You can't do that. Without it, we're not human enough. Right. And I like his expression as he's trying to explain this to a complete... Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just not... He doesn't understand that some things are wrong, that you can't go around just hurting people and fucking around with their lives right. and their intelligence and stuff. And Michael's, like, very patiently explaining, like, look, <laughs> this is not okay. Yeah, all of this, like, you know, trying to tell him about morality is kind of reminding me of John Connor and the Terminator and Terminator 2. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, can't exactly. just, you just can't go around killing people. Why not? Why? <laughs> <laughs> you just can't. Why? 
Because <laughs> you just can't. Okay. Raise your hand and say, repeat after me. <laughs> I swear I will not kill anyone. So he asks Enigma to take off his mask. He wants to see him without his mask. And so Titus is like, maybe I'll I just... I'll just like over And he's here. like, no, no, no. You've been an important part of the journey. And he goes over to Titus and he's like, remember... Okay, uh, I just guess you... I love this moment where right. it's like, I really thought that they were just going to let that go, but they don't let it go. Right. Sorry, please go ahead. He goes, you remember uh, in the bar when you invited me back to the room for sex, when you thought I was gay? You, you punched, punched me, me and, and you, you said <laughs> you weren't queer. I was wrong. Wrong about not being queer, Michael says. Even more wrong to punch you, even if I wasn't. I guess I was scared of the truth. That is such an important yeah. bit of dialogue. Yeah. He's like, look, it was wrong to hit you. Even if I wasn't queer or I was, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like That shouldn't have been the way that we communicated about this. I was not okay for me to, to get violent with you because of that. I was I, I was right. scared of the truth yeah. Yeah. or whatever. And he apologizes. That's a good I moment. Think that's really yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah, I really like that. Um, they, they have a real friendship. He yes, checks on him in the hospital a, yes. and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I, I like this relationship as well. Yeah. Titus also asked him about the interior league. He's like, how did that happen? I didn't write that. And he's like, well... He had to make up some villains for himself. And then Titus is like, I can't stand tension. Uh, that's why I made sure my comics never had any. How long do we have to wait? And so the Enigma says, not long. I can feel her approaching. And then what? Michael asks. That's a very good question. Ah. And then what? So you've got these guys in like jeans and flannel. And then you've got this very dramatic yeah. guy in like a cape <laughs> and a waistcoat. And it's all. And nice flowy hair. Yeah. Very, yeah. <laughs> the Enigma says, she wants to destroy me. She thought she did after I changed my father's face and she shot him dead. She's strong enough to do it. She feeds on what I am and she becomes stronger than me. Then what are we hanging around here, uh, Titus asks. Shouldn't we be in a fast car somewhere? No, no running, Enigma responds. Now is the time. Now is the time to see if it has worked. If what has worked, Michael asks. If you have worked, Michael, Enigma responds. Oh no. There's a cool panel here, this first one up at the top left. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Is he, like, getting the costume together right there? It looks like it, yeah. yeah. It's just a neat... Uh, yeah. I like the way that that's... The narration box says, Even as Roger Cliff's head swelled like the Virgin Mary's belly, the person who was now the Enigma was making a discovery. A cross-eyed mad creature waking in her cell. He knew that she would come for him. That she would come after him. Knew that she would definitely destroy him. Unless... He sensed the devotional sweat of the little boy's fingers that had once fondled these pages. The pictures had been worn into the shape of the eyes that once swept over them. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Time and again, like a rock fashioned by water. Nice. He found the little boy older now, but essentially unchanged. Michael Smith. Yes, he would be perfect. Michael was thinking about his next job in a swanky part of town. A package followed him to Victor Lamont's Palacio Eagle. The package contained the suit of the truth. And now... All this time later, the truth is what Michael is learning. So then we cut to Michael and he's like, why? That very betrayed yeah. face. Yeah. My only chance to be a little more human, to feel a little love and compassion, and hope my mother would draw on this too and spare me. So you threw your mind into me, Michael asked. You changed me just as much as you changed Victoria, yes, and Roger Cliff. You made me go queer so I'd fall in love with you? Yes, Enigma responds. All that confusion, all that suffering, all those changes, you orchestrated it. I'm sorry, Enigma says. I don't want to hurt you. It was wrong of me. I'll change you back. What, Michael asks? I'll undo the changes. I'll make you as you were before. I think he's offering to de-homosexualize you, Michael. <laughs> so there's a I moment. I like how Titus comes in with the like, kind of attention yeah, breaker yeah, there. Yeah. And it's like, you know, he's... He's gay, so he's he's it's tongue in cheek. He's right, very yeah. like it's not like yeah. And there's a moment. Uh, I, I love how this 
page is laid out to um they're kind of like look at him and then he just says no no enigma ass good boy Titus says. <laughs> says it doesn't matter how or why i had those experiences michael said whether it was something within me or you changing me this is how i am now and i like myself this way I feel comfortable this way. This is me now. <laughs> so I'll stay as I am. I think I'm happy as I am. Yay. This is me now. And so they have a moment. And then in the middle of all this, Titus is like, ah, chaps, we have company. I'm boyfriends with the weirdest man right. ever. We see the monster there. And Enigma says, it's too late. I failed. She'll destroy me. And Titus is like, maybe not. You didn't have to offer to change Mike back. You did that because of your feelings for him. And I saw the way you just looked at him now. It's been a few years since anyone's looked at me like that. And Enigma's like, she's waiting. Stay here while I go meet her. And Michael's like, no, we're in this together. We'll all go. You with us, Titus? And Titus is like, why the hell not? Enigma and Michael kiss. The three of them hold hands. And then they start walking down to meet this Video monster. Video game boss. Oh, yeah, yeah monster. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The mother. It's a very Final Fantasy moment. Yeah. Is it not? As we uh, cut to this last page, the narration boxes say, I don't know how the story ends. They walked hand in hand down the hill towards his mother. They walked out of my life and into their Look futures. Look at these little guys. That's all I know. But you don't listen, do you? You squat there with your dull eyes. <laughs> you squat there as though you were wise. But you're not wise. The green lizard is talking to the rest of them. Oh, man. He's, he's gesticulating wildly. You're just ugly enough to be wise. Look, let me start again and try to concentrate this time. You could say it all started in Arizona. 25 years ago on a farm. Amazing. Yeah, I love that. I, I love, love I love the reveal that the narrator's the lizard. <laughs> super cute. He's got all the swirlies. Yeah. He's lizard Jesus. So when he was like, let's take a second and think about this loss of reptilian life. It's because yes. it's it's his people. It's through his lens or whatever. How many stories have we read where it ends with intelligent lizard people now? Yes. It's <laughs> a lot. I feel like it's I feel like it's several. At least. I can't help it. I mean, like, what happened? What, do you mean? what happened with, with Michael and Enigma and Titus and, well, it's like and the we monster? Like to, you know, it's like we've been saying this whole time. They trust the reader yeah. to just, you know. Right. Yeah. The fact that she was waiting there to meet them, like, is that a good sign, I guess? Is that like, or no, they're going to fight and she's going to kill all of them. That's the power I, of love. I think that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like, I like how it ends open ended like that, though. So you know, we don't really get the um, yeah, we don't need that. Yeah. You know, but they, they're they're going together, they're staying together, they're embracing who they are, and they're going right. to meet his mother. That part is what matters. Is that they're exactly like Aubrey said. Right. The whole point is that they're they're all doing it together and exactly. they all love each other. It's yeah, fun. yeah. I mean, it, earlier in the story, one of the narration boxes very early on when they introduce us to Michael, it says, "What's the point of you, Michael?" Mm. You know, and I feel like. The point of it is he comes to this revelation about himself. Yeah. And all this other stuff that's wrapped up, that it's wrapped up in is not really the important piece. Right. You know what I mean? The relationship and the learning about, learning something about yourself, yeah. the self-discovery, like that's the important There's part. There's a magical man yeah. who could unqueer you and he's just like, no. Right. Maybe it would maybe it would make his life easier in some respects, but it would he it would remove something that he's found out about himself that he's like, no, there's something important about myself that I've discovered and I I value that. Right. So it's okay for that to be a choice. You know, there's a lot of dialogue I, I imagine um, 
that I've, I've actually, I don't need to imagine it. I've seen it on Twitter. I've seen of like, people like, well, that, you know, I'm born this way and you can't, well, and that's valid. That's totally valid. If you are, if you have been this way always, and this is just how you are. But I think that there are some people who probably feel like, well, I was one way and now I'm another way and I've discovered things and I've, I've, I have changed and that's, I'm, you know, I've discovered that about myself. And right. so that's, a, so I feel, I also feel like that is valid if that is your story. I don't think we can invalidate that sure. about you. That's your thing. And so I, you know, I, I feel like that's a very individual right. process for well, people to come by. And, and I guess it, it is important to talk about because I was thinking like, is this problematic? You know, the fact sure. that like Enigma, he potentially did this. He, he had a, he, he had a hand in this and it wasn't like uh, something that natural or like he didn't that necessarily have a choice in it. He's exactly. got magical powers. You know? This. And yeah. so I was kind of like, I don't know how, how I feel about this, but when we talked right. about it and, and we had this discussion where like, you know, sometimes people don't realize that they're non-binary or whatever until later right. or yeah. until after being exposed to that it's okay, you know what I mean? Or, yes, yeah. or, or, or whatever. And You're like, so stuck in this box of like, this is just how life is. Yeah. And yeah. You don't think to go right. anywhere outside of that. And, and then, then if you do, you're like, oh, okay, sure, right. right. So, maybe I am have another gender as well or like you maybe it's another type yeah. of sexuality that i could explore and all this stuff and so whether you've always known this about yourself or whether you're just discovering it all of that is valid and so it's kind of like it really does investigate this in a very um stylized right, way obviously yeah. like yeah. people aren't going around magically changing your mind about who you want to sleep with but it can serve it could serve as a metaphor for someone who's reading this book like oh shit it's, right. o- it's okay for me to try stuff or, out or is it okay I've, to try stuff out even though i don't feel like i feel that way and right. maybe i'll find something out about myself that i don't want to change right. after or, all yeah yeah that's valid like you can do that as an adult if you want to yeah um but last week i talked about this interview with peter milligan from comic watch i wanted to reference that article again and i'll link it in the show notes again if you didn't check it out last week um but he does address this he says quote i was hearing a lot of arguments about nature versus nurture whether being gay came from your genes or something else you were born with, or whether it was a product of your environment, of your experiences. I want to suggest that if we're really saying that to be gay is as worthy of respect and as valid a way to be as being straight, then it didn't really matter how you got there. For Michael, it didn't matter that Enigma might have used his powers to turn him or bring out his latent quote-unquote gayness. However he got here, this feels right and true, and he doesn't want to change. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Wonderful. That that was my initial thought. Well, I was like, eh, sure. it's problematic, but you know, I, I I think that um everybody's self discovery is going to be different. Yes. You know what I mean? And yeah. fuck this, around and find out in a good way. And 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 this is a comic <laughs> book. Like, there's not really people turning right. you no, it's... using using yeah. glamour to um because they want to sleep with you or whatever. But like, if someone mm, reads this and yeah. it, it leads to them being like oh, I guess I could just kind of maybe yeah. play with the idea. Of, You're like, like, it's a safe way to explore that idea yeah. in a different kind of modality. Right. It's You might be like, ah, oh, the skin around my balls is tightening. Yeah, yeah. It I'm makes you kidding. think of something. <laughs> no, well, you, but that's a joke, but you think of like your reactions to stuff and then like he wanted to dismiss it. He was angry. He was upset. He's like, I hate the way that this is happening. But what if you reframed that and said, well, this is happening. I will observe this and maybe try and be neutral yeah. about it instead of like, I'm immediately reacting with disgust and anger. Well, examine that. Why are you reacting that way? Are you reacting that way because your dad used to 
you know, like say, ah, oh, look at that guy over there. He's so disgusting. Like maybe you could think about it in a different way. And maybe reading this comic helped people to think about that in a different way. Or maybe people even discover things about themselves or whatever. And so I think it's, um, yeah, I've seen people make that claim before of like, it doesn't matter, you know, if you, if you, it's something in your genes or if it's something you discovered about yourself, all of that has to be equally valid or else none of us are. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mentioned, uh, I mentioned this a little bit last week, uh, in this definitive edition, like almost a third of the book is like the sketchbook section. Yeah. I mean, there is so much, we can't talk about everything that's in here, but like, you've got to pick this up. It is really cool. Yeah. It is. Uh, it is like everything that I want it to be. Yeah. Um, It's it's a really well done. (laughs) Yeah. And as someone who really enjoys the sketchbook sections of books you were in you were just yeah you were having a great time with this one one thing that i loved and that we didn't talk about so much last week we did mention the editor of the book who was gay and who helped peter milligan do some research his name is art young and art young actually designed enigma i thought this was really cute nice there's a note here it's actually scanned into the into the features which is super cute because you get to see the handwriting it says Duncan, let me give you a, a few notes to go along with our very amateur sketches. Hair is long, all one, one flowing hair, all one length, sort of swept back like Christopher Lambert. Ooh. Ooh. One long strand will always hang down across his face. The coolness factor. Lovely. Big guy, broad, tall, imposing, sits expansively in a chair. Mask is white Ooh. and impassive, conceals much of his expressions. Thus, when he smiles, it's hard to tell. If it's a happy smile, a manipulative smile, an evil smile, a smug, superfluous smile, etc. Cloak has a high collar, sort of like Dracula. Black outside, (laughs) possibly red inside. It should be big enough to wrap around him like Dracula. Immaculate white suit, possibly a red sash. The black and white effect should make him very striking. He should be a mysterious figure. Think of a highwayman, a gentleman highway robber. I thought that was really cute. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so there's just a ton of sketches in here by Fagredo. You really get to see his process. I love this um concept of the head. Yes. Because we says, didn't we didn't really get to see a good image of the head right. during the thing. And it says the head uh on the brain or whatever, on the giant brain. A recent design I made to attract attention to the very tome you hold in your hands. Yeah, because it does have that modern Fagredo style. It's so cool to see him redo this character in his modern style. Um, I love all these promo images with Enigma and Michael. They're so cute. Look at this commission of, uh, oh, it's Enigma kissing somebody else. It's on the bottom of, uh, it says rough sketch for, sketch for a commission on page 221. Oh, okay. I see it, yeah. And, like, Enigma is kissing somebody else, right? Is that Michael down there going, hey? (laughs) Oh, shit, that is. You know what I mean? Like, what if you were like, draw me kissing Enigma? Oh, look at this one. It's the advert for issue six shows Michael coming out of the closet. Oh, yeah. There's lots of great sketches in here. I could just go on and on. Um, You get to see Duncan Fergredo's layouts um, and his process. So you get to see, like, the roughs and then what the final pages looked like. Um, they're so cool. You can really zoom in. Aubrey and I were like going crazy over that opening page on issue four where you see the truth all giant in the church. Um, I love seeing all the sketches of that too. Um, Duncan Fagredo says, I don't think Peter actually wrote that the truth should gain in size. I just drew it that way. I reason that you more the more you attempt to hide any truth from yourself, the larger it becomes. That's so cool. Then like and I guess they let him do that. Like they were like, Oh, I guess Fergredo drew him as a giant Godzilla. Let's let's go let's with that. Let's run with it, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. 
what I did want to talk about here was when they're in the bed embracing. You see in Fagredo's notes it says, like this, not fetal, relaxed, peaceful. And it says, no knob shots, bottom line. Yikes. <laughs> but you see, like, he had different concepts for how they were going to be laying in the bed. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that's kind of neat. You get to see, like, all his little notes on trying to figure out how to exactly put them and frame them on the page. Just really nice to see, like, the amount of thought that went into this. Yeah, but, I mean, there's more than we could possibly describe in here. You really got to get this definitive edition and check it out. I mean, I ended up really liking this book. I mean, wh- what did you guys think? Did, did you enjoy it? Or I, I liked how just fucking weird it was. And yeah. just, yeah. you know, it's it's out of the box. It's not what you normally read. I, I like picking up something and being surprised by it and being... You know, and it it's 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 intriguing. It's just um, it's it's fresh. It's not stale. It's not that same old formulaic yeah thing. I like that, and I you know, for nineteen ninety three, it's pretty fresh. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and for nineteen ninety three, it's pretty progressive because <laughs> you really weren't getting a lot of. Well, I really uh, don't. I don't know about how progressive it is or whatever. I just mean. Well, I'm just saying I'm it, picking it up and I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is a different thing that I have not seen. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm just saying that in nineteen ninety three, a lot of this stuff wasn't. Um, you didn't see a lot of. This sure, sure, sure. I actually don't even that. give a shit about that though. Yeah. Like, I, I really don't. All I care about is like, can this hold my fucking attention yeah. at all? You know what I mean? Is this is this a formulaic fucking thing I've seen a hundred times, or is it gonna? And with a lizard being yeah, the narrator. Being the lizard a, narrator was pretty cool. Is, is, he, is it a, a lizard narrator who's infused with a, a, the power of a tiny little godling? I actually really enjoyed this. I mean, it was a little weird starting off. You know, it's just like, where is this going? But then the... Um, uh, the art style. I and, love the art. Um, yeah. Just the weirdness and then just the oddness of it. And then just like, and then it turns out that it's just really kind of like a sweet love story yeah. towards yeah, the end, yeah. you know? And so it's just. And friendship. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just really. And apologizing when you've been wrong. Yeah. 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 It was a, it was really, really good. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you for picking this one. Yeah. I really loved it too. Um, I love this, this image for this trading card. Did you see this one? Mm-hmm. This is a really cool one too. I guess this is the trade paperback cover. But that's amazing Um, with Michael there and all the different lizards all over. Uh, Really nice stuff. Yeah, you definitely got to check out this um, definitive edition. Also, the cover, um, I didn't realize this. The cover was like a commission. And then so Fergreta was like, uh, the cover of this volume started life as a commission for a friend. I was and still am rather pleased with the way it turned out. Even more so that it saved me from having to create anything new. <laughs> Not lazy, pragmatic. Nice. Yeah, but like, I really took a good look at the cover this time. And like, I guess I didn't realize that all the characters are in there. Yeah, they're all in there. That's really neat. Here's Titus and Michael. They're running away from the head, That's the great. truth, and the envelope girl. Anyway, good stuff. I really enjoyed this. Awesome. Well, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this book. I'm excited to hear what you guys thought of it. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. That was a really cool and neat and awesome fun story. And I want to hear what you think. Send us a hey you damn guys at bookclubmembercomics at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at bookclubmembercomics and on Twitter at bookclubmembers. As always, you can always find all of our resources on our Podbean website and our Facebook About section and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. As always, a special thank you to Paul from Katahan for our theme music. Thank you, Paul. Yes. Uh, thank you, John and Danielle, for being just pretty awesome people. Okay. <laughs> All right. uh, our theme music is provided by Only Beast, and our um, logos are done by Ross Radke and Matt Strackbine. Yes, thank you. You can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, and when you're there, open it up and give us that five-star review. 
uh, every little bit helps. And tell a friend about it if you're enjoying what you're hearing, because uh, you know, you know, everybody wants to be a book club member. Do it. Next week we are stepping into the multiverse and talking <laughs> Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and we're reading Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom: Triumph of Torment by Roger Stearns and Michael Mignola. <laughs> so you know what to do, guys. Get those back issues, trades, digitals, and join us next week on Book Club Member Comics. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm a tiny lizard that's been infused with the power of a, a god or something. And I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, uh, where'd you park your spaceship, boy? <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> yes. Listen to your balls. <laughs>